It would be rude of her, and she had every reason to be grateful to her uncle. It hadn't been easy for her to steal enough money for the passage to England, and he could have turned her away when she reached his doorstep. He'd never even met her, after all. She was the daughter of his estranged brother, his dead estranged brother, who hadn't spoken to him since before Isabeau was born. And if it wasn't for her uncle Olivier, or Oliver St. Cross, as he was known here, she'd be spending this Christmas the same as she'd spent the last, huddled under the eaves of a café hoping some citoyenne might give in to the holiday spirit and buy her a meal. If not, she'd have nicked the coins from someone's pocket and bought it for herself. One learned to do as one must while living in the alleys of Paris during the Great Terror. Ellie, Ellie, Benoit urged her. I insist you find some handsome young man to flirt with you. She couldn't imagine any young man would notice her, even in the beautiful white silk gown she'd been given to wear. She still felt skinny and hungry and smudged with dirt and hadn't the vaguest notion how to dance anymore. She had confidence only in her abilities to steal food and to find the best rooftops on which to hide when the riots broke out. She forced herself to leave the kitchen, mostly because the thought of the dozens of guests upstairs terrified her so. Before Paris, she had lived on a grand family estate in the countryside. The house had marble floors and silk settees and dusty vineyards where she could eat grapes until her fingers turned purple. But then her parents had been taken. What was a Christmas ball to the threat of the guillotine? She found her way to the drawing room where the guests had gathered for the midnight supper. Her uncle had leaped at the chance to recreate his own favorite childhood memories of Réveillon, under the guise of making his niece more comfortable. He wasn't fooling anyone. They could all see how thrilled he was to be serving tortillere and champagne to his friends. He stood by the main hearth, which was draped with evergreen branches and white lilies from the hothouse. His waistcoat was hollyberry red, barely containing his cheerful girth. Ah, here she is, he said. Isabeau concentrated on smiling, on not tripping on the hem of her gown, and not wiping her sweaty palms on her skirts, on anything but the curious and pitying eyes tracking her progress. My niece, Lady Isabeau St. Croix, her uncle announced. In Paris... She had introduced herself as Citoyen Isabeau. It was safer. Oh, my dear! An old woman fluttered at her, the ostrich feather in her hair bobbing sympathetically. How awful! How perfectly awful! Madame. She didn't know what else to say to that, so she curtsied. Those barbarians! She continued. Never mind that now you're quite safe here. We English know the natural order of things. Another sentence she had no reply for. The woman seemed genuine, though, and she smelled like peppermint oil. Her satin gloves were trimmed with red bows when she patted Isabeau's hand. My nephew's around here somewhere. I'm certain he would love to partner you in a dance. Merci, madame.
She had every intention of hiding behind one of the giant evergreen displays before succumbing to any such fate. The drawing room was even more beautiful than Isabeau could have imagined. She had helped set out the bowls of gilded pine cones and holly leaves dusted with silver, and tied the ribbons around the pine boughs fastened to every window. But at night, with dozens of beeswax candles burning and the frigid winter wind pushing at the glass, it was magical. And just as stuffy as she had feared, thanks to the hot air laced with cloying perfumes and floral hair oils filling every corner of the room, she edged toward the doors leading out to the gardens. The rose bushes and yew hedges were edged with a delicate frost, as if lace had been tossed everywhere. The moon was a soft glow behind thick clouds. She shivered a little when snow began to fall gently, but didn't go back inside.